0: Fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Havener. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile try to get into it.
1: for the, the touchdown. Back. What a great second over there.
0: Hey everybody and welcome to this latest episode of the fantasy fullback dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal in the weeds for the fourth time almost halfway through our divisional breakdown series for our, the upcoming fantasy season we're hitting the NFC South today of course the fantasy fullback dive is paving your way to fantasy glory acting as your lead blocker to fantasy hmm. excellence hopefully titles titles and more titles Zagon Game of Thrones it was like titles titles titles. Robert Baratheon, maybe? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Rotor Street himself. And this is a special weather edition as well. Bonus. Yeah. What's going barely, on there, man?
1: We've got a tornado warning, which you don't know, typically... I it might be the first I've ever had in my life up here in northeastern Massachusetts. So who knows? Fingers crossed. Everything will be okay. It's scheduled to hit my town around 150. Of course, all the panic, family, texting. It's scheduled to hit Centerville right at 150. Make sure you're in the basement. So who knows? If I end up getting just swept away, though, I love all of you. It's been real. Hopefully, this won't be the last I see of you,
0: though. (laughs) It's going to create – yeah. I mean, if you get swept away, it's going to create a real power vacuum at the RSJ. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Since we're on the Game of Thrones uh, theme. You know, you could see some real bloodletting happening. So I, oh, yeah. I hope hope that you're OK. Um, <laughs> if the tornado comes in as scheduled, uh, who's CJ's
1: equivalent on Game of Thrones? Uh, I feel like CJ's a little bit of a Peter Baelish. Like he, got his hand, he knows everybody. He gets his hands in on everything. I guess that suggests he's a little bit slimier than CJ really is, but he just reminds a me bit. of Peter Baelish because he's talking to everybody all the time, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. That's a fair comp. Uh, yeah. If the tornado comes in as scheduled, we should be uh, being struck by that right around the middle of the Panthers se- segment. So, uh, you know, we should be able to get the Falcons in at least anyway. Sweet. Um, you ready to
1: dive right into this thing? Let's do it. while well, we're still alive without tornadoes. Why don't we uh, I'll pull these on in? I'm going to be making sure I'm on top of the uh, banners a little bit better than I was the other days. I've been so warped up and, and pumped to give you guys these projections that I've been forgetting to change the banners as we go. For those of you who might have noticed that the other couple days, sorry. Uh, and I'll try to do my best to be better about that today.
0: All right. Well, we're going to start on the Falcons. The Falcons, uh, this team holds a special place in my heart because on the projection page, this is the default team that just comes up right away. So it's like, just because I've seen them more times than anyone else, I feel like these are really imprinted into my mind. Uh, Tell me about the Falcons this year.
1: Yeah, so I think where my projections are going to really differ from most is I'm expecting them to be a bit run heavier than they've been the past five years than I think uh, they've been maybe since Matt Ryan arrived there. And that's because Arthur Smith is going there. Uh, If you look at the research tool, you can tell that Arthur Smith, 684, 628, 617, uh, you know, Rush attempts these last couple years. He he's certainly far more run heavy and compared to four forty-five, four eighty five pass attempts. He's been, you know, 50 plus percent run heavy in his stops. Now, when you have Derrick Henry, that makes a lot of sense. He's already come out and said you shouldn't expect the same offense in Atlanta when you don't have a Derrick Henry here. Like that would be foolish. I still think he schemes up one of the best power zone like he mixes all the run concepts similar to greg roman does in baltimore so i do think he'll try to get the run going whether or not they can stick to it because that horrible defense uh, and they just don't really have a back that can sustain a monster workload i I don't think they'll be overly run heavy but i do think i'm projecting to be a bit more run heavy than the consensus projections out there
0: all right well starting at the top let's start with matt ryan uh just you know kind of a he was a one-time fantasy darling he's now kind of a little ho-hum You got him for 376 uh, completions out of 565 attempts, a little over 4,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, 11 picks. My comments next to this were, I just wrote, whatever. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) You've got Ryan as your QB 20 on projections, 17 on the big board. I'm not excited.
1: No, and I don't think there's a huge reason to be – you were excited about this guy in the past because of the volume, because of the weapons. There's no Konami upside. So, again, this just becomes like a more expensive Kirk Cousins. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will go a round or two later. I don't see any reason. I haven't really drafted Matt Ryan on any early best ball or, or real drafts so far. He'll be okay. He'll be steady. He could be a good bridge to a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields who we keep harping on. Get one of those guys no matter what. Certainly has that type of like nice floor that's okay, but 17, 20 ish. The really the only upside is going to be one. Arthur Smith was so efficient as a play caller in the red zone that if that carries over to the Falcons and they end up like. Of approaching Tennessee Titans levels where they've been top three in t- touchdowns the last three years. Well, then, okay, maybe there is like 40 touchdown upside with Matt Ryan. But I think without Julio Jones there, like you're really going to need Kyle Pitts to be the realest of deals. And he could be. I mean, he is a freak. But I, yeah, to me, they're just between the weapons leaving and a run heavier offense and no rushing upside for Matt Ryan himself. He's a more expensive Kirk Cousins, and I'm not really – whatever was a great way to describe it. We probably didn't even need to say much more after that, that, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm one for one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> running back, their top guy on the running backs is Mike Davis. This is a guy who you know, – I've got my auction coming up tonight with my hometown league, and it's like, – I'm excited I'm, for I'm, you, man. I'm, yeah, th- you know, I just kind of like I touched on in the beginning of the show with the Atlanta thing coming on first, so I know them well. It's like we've done these NFC shows every day. I know so much more about the NFC than I do about the (laughs) NFC. So I'm anticipating a heavy NFC auction from the truth today. Uh, But yeah, uh, Mike Davis is a guy I kind of have my eye a little bit on uh, if the price is right. You never know how these auction prices are going to go, but it's possible he could go kind of cheap. Anyway, you got him uh, rushing 244 times, almost 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. It's not a bad line, uh, not no. huge receiving numbers. And you got him, your RB19 on projections, 20 on the big board, which for yeah, running backs is actually pretty valuable. I mean, you, someone's going to
1: be starting this guy. Absolutely. And he kind of falls in what the, has been coined by the industry as the the running back dead zone. where <laughs> And it makes sense because receivers in those middles, you know, rounds four through six, typically outscore the running backs by a hefty margin. Now, if if of the guys in that range, I do like Daryl Henderson. We talked about him earlier mm-hmm. in the week. But yeah, I also I do, do like Mike Davis as well because I, as I said, I think this Atlanta team is going to want to be run heavier. Whether they can sustain that, we'll find out. And I do think Davis is really the only guy they have on the roster with any type of credibility. I don't think he's amazing, but he did right. break more tackles per attempt than anyone other than ah, who led it last year. I know Davis was two. I think Nick it, was Chubb, some, it was some. It was Yeah, it was Chubb. It was Chubb. Yeah, number one, uh, and he can catch. I mean, he filled in for Christian McCaffrey admirably he had plenty of games like 10 plus targets over there for the Panthers so you have 45 catches 292 two touchdowns not a huge output but certainly uh, your type of three down horse you don't typically find there in rounds five six so yeah if he's going cheap at an auction you know six to ten dollar range right right for, for the running backs in that range like one of my favorite RB threes. I don't. I hope he's not higher than that for me. But as like a potential flex option, I really do like Davis, uh, and I think I'm a bit higher than the ECR on him coming into this year. And these projections put, show show why. I really think he's going to get a lot of work behind him. Uh, looking at the backfields is only Quadri Now that's I just only want to point that out. It's not that important, but as a last round pick, you know, I was preaching Jevon Hawkins. We had Thor uh, over from Roto World come on or NBC Sports Edge, whatever they're called nowadays. I always mix that up. Uh, he loves Javion Hawkins as an undrafted free agent. But unfortunately, you know, six yards on seven carries in the opening preseason game, whatever it ended up being. The team is very clearly committed to Quadri And according to to the camp reports he's the clear number two. Well, that is important in the sense that Mike Davis it hasn't held up to volume. He's typically broken down as he did last year by the end of the season. So Allison could end up becoming, he's a big guy, like 240 pounds, like real thick. He could end up becoming like very, 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 very light Derrick Henry if something happens to Mike Davis and he's the only guy left. Could be a good source of touchdowns. So I love stabbing at him in the last rounds of these best ball drafts. You know, if you're going 20 rounds in a a hometown league or something, not a bad like $1 late flyer. Certainly not the top of my list on that, but just a name to toss out there.
0: All right, let's move on to the receiving core. And, of course, that starts with Calvin Ridley. This is where the injury begins, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, 97 catches. You got him for almost 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns. I feel like you've come down a tiny, tiny bit. I feel like you had him over 100 catches not that long ago. But still, I mean, monster numbers. Good enough for your wide receiver five on your projections board and four on the big board. Um, And, you know, we could talk about Ridley, although what is there to really talk about? I'm actually more interested in talking about who's behind Ridley, and that's Russell Gage, who is somebody I'm just going to admit, I I don't think I'd heard of him. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm pleading ignorance on this one, but I've learned a little about him since i saw him on these projections you got him down for 57 catches 627 four touchdowns i mean you see this guy as a 90 target guy that's that's plenty although you have him only wide receiver 70 on your projections board you've actually got him up at 48 on the big board mm. uh, just just assuming someone's got to catch these balls right and so my thought is someone's going to catch him I, i'm not positive it's going to be russell cage
1: Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, So starting at the top, you know, Calvin Ridley, 26% target share, absolute hog. Uh, I think he's going to be a beast. And honestly, like 147 targets might be on the low side of projections. That's kind of baked into the fact I think they're going to run more than people are expecting. But if you told me Calvin Ridley at the end of the year saw 170 targets, and then had, you know, another 300 yards and another touchdown or two add on to this, like, wouldn't be shocked at all. And that's why I have him ranked as a borderline fringe first rounder on my big board. Uh, so yeah, absolutely love him. I think there's a whole lot more room for gauge to do more than I haven't projected for, right, but he right, saw about a hundred you know, targets last year with, with Julio being out and he, he saw some good volume, just didn't do a lot with it. He's very inefficient, but they're saying he is the clear number two in camp that they, you know, all the other receivers are working with special teams and different things. And he's kind of getting the, the veteran number two treatment, so I, I like him, but as you'll see in a second when we get there, like I think he's at best third on the target totem pole because there is a monster yeah. coming in at a tight end position. We'll talk about. So I, I'm not getting gaged much. He goes in a range where, like, yeah, well before a Marquez Callaway, who we'll talk about a little bit, that is a huge sleeper. Tyrus Marshall, we're going to talk about a little bit. Like guys, I just really like as talents that I think if they saw even close to the work he's going to get, would do so much more worth you know with it. So I don't really. He's just like a, one of those like. Okay, floor, but really low ceiling guys. And I like to swing for the fences with all my picks. You know that and that I've always been an upside star fucker chaser, whatever you want to call me. Uh, So, you know, I'm I'm not really that in on gauge at his price, even if I think he'll be pretty steady. It's just not for me. I'm a little embarrassed,
0: by the way, that Russell Gage got like 100 targets last year and I didn't remember who he was.
1: Well, I I think it's probably because it was some of the most forgettable targets, 100 target season like you'll ever see. He did literally nothing. He had one or two good games and and all the rest from mediocre to bad. So it's that I think that's very telling that that I was going to say, you know, (laughs) like that. That tells you why Gage isn't really high on my list because you can see 100 targets and be that forgettable.
0: Right. Like once we have RSJ, like once we hit it big and we're in the office or something, we've been where we pass a guy in the hall and we're just like, who's that guy? And he's like, I've worked here for four years. Just, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, that's Russell Gage. He's the Russell Gage of the office. Um, right. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, the monster you were alluding to at tight end, Kyle Pitts, uh, mm. 77 catches, 113 targets, almost 900 yards and nine touchdowns. That would be a hell of a season. Uh, it doesn't seem halfway unreasonable if any of the hype is true. Uh, you've got him as your tight end five on both lists.
1: In fact, I think I'm as high as these projections are for a rookie tight end. I think I'm a little bit lower than the consensus. And that's baking in the fact this is a rookie tight end. There's a very hard transition to the position, but of course, There's never been a prospect quite like Kyle Pitts. His comparable isn't even a tight end. They compare him to Calvin Johnson. And, I mean, you can see why at Florida. Kyle Trask is horrible. He would just chuck the ball up. And Kyle Pitts, didn't matter how many guys he had on him, he leaps up there, he rips it out of the sky. Like, this isn't a tight end. It's unfair that he gets a tight end designation. And right from day one, he could be an absolute monster. I mean, 909 would set the best rookie season that we've ever seen at tight end since Mike Ditka. So I I do clearly like the guy. I just think, you know, the fact that I can get TJ Hawkinson, who I, I, as we said yesterday, I think is in line for 130 plus targets a round or two later. That's the one thing with Pitts is he's going like late fourth, early fifth. He's going, he's going above Hawkinson. He's going as the tight end four right now. And That's surprising like, to me. I would rather you know, have Hawkinson. I, I would, too. I think there's a higher floor with Hawkinson and a similar ceiling. That's, I guess, the one case for Pitts is, like, if he hits his ceiling, he's putting up 1,400 and, like, 18. Hmm. You know, he's – had 18 touchdowns with be with Sarah. But you know what I mean. Like, he's got that, like, Kelsey style. He's a freak of all freaks at this position. So maybe just maybe he could hit that. I, I doubt it's going to happen as early as year one. Love him in dynasty. I mean, you can consider him at the first overall pick in dynasty rookie drafts, but still I, I I'm a little bit hesitant to get this guy. And in fact, I don't have much of him at all because I typically just go for Hawkinson around later if tight ends are falling, but still all the upside in the world can't blame you at all. If you want to take that stab, if there's no receivers, like if the Bengals guys are gone, if you know, Brandon ayuk has gone and this guy's sitting there in round five, I, there is some real, real upside to Kyle Pitts. Uh, but I just think people are a little bit too bullish for a uh, rookie tight end. It's given how hard that position is to translate to.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, would be an exciting guy to own, though. Would be fun.
1: Oh, yeah. Like if you get him, I, he's one of those things in an auction that, that I, I expect he'll go for more than like yeah. typical. Because it's a buzzy name. It's sexy. It's Kyle Pitts, the freak, right? Like those are the guys that always go for more in auctions and they probably should. Whereas Hawkinson's like, ugh. Lions gross you'll get Hawkinson for like seven dollars cheaper than than Pitts ends up going but but yeah I mean it is it's one of those guys you see him on your roster you're you're excited about you know the people in front of you are gonna be like oh Pitts, you took him from me like you know draft day reactions but we don't win on draft day reactions unfortunately no
0: sadly not uh (laughs) before we move on to the Carolina Panthers how's the weather looking over there
1: Still holding up okay. It's 150 is where they said it's supposed to get really bad, and honestly, it seems like it's clearing up. So, we,
0: uh, word before the I was going to say, out. can we get a tornado countdown clock up on the board? Like, yeah,
1: exactly, right? Five minutes till till the wolf is gone. <laughs> till he visits Kansas and Dorothy. <laughs> Seriously, oh God. Um, but yeah, I think that that covers about Atlanta, right? Should we uh, move yeah, on? that's to Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, let's move on to Carolina
0: um and one of my favorite teams got too. To commenting too a lot of our usual guys you know we'll get to
1: your uh comments and questions at the end i promise and um, i think that's a good point too guys i didn't even do the the little slutty thing i love to do at the beginning yeah, which slut it up wolf give, give me those likes if you're willing to if you like the content so far whether you're live or catching the replay thumbs up youtube facebook you know the like button on twitter tweets, retweets, all that good stuff, shares, help us get out to more people. And that's really the goal here is to try to get, grow the wolf pack and and just win more fantasy titles for more people. So please consider it. If you, you find we're giving you any value, that thumbs up button really, really does help us out. I wouldn't be begging for you to do it if it wasn't a big thing. So thank you guys in advance if you uh, consider doing that for us. And good job moving the Panthers banner down
0: You're on the ball today. There we go. Um, changes in the Panthers. I mean, not one obvious change. They got a new quarterback. Anything else noteworthy before I go into players?
1: Yeah, the biggest is obviously Darnold and, and what he's going to bring to the table, which granted th- there's huge question marks. So that's going to obviously impact how everyone else does here. They did draft Terrence Marshall as well, a player I love, who I'm going to talk about. But in terms of the coaching front, They still have Joe Brady, who was getting some head coaching calls. One of my most intriguing offensive coordinators. They didn't quite hit that ceiling last year. I think a lot of that was Teddy Bridgewater being a little bit. And I I don't know if Sam Darnold's going to help them reach that ceiling either. But just remember, LSU, a couple seasons ago, shattered NCAA records under Joe Brady's watch. I can't wait to see if Darnold is the real deal. He's going to have no excuses, and we're going to talk about him in a second. As you see, 570 passes, 421 rush, pretty balanced, about 58% pass, 42% rush. Uh, given, you know, it, you have a back like McCaffrey, you think that would be a little bit higher, but he's most dangerous when you're using him as a receiver, hence the high pass-to-rush ratios. All right, Darnold, 361 out of
0: 570 for about 4,100 yards, 25 touchdowns, 16 picks, not an amazing stat line for 2020 NFL. Personally, I'm pulling for him. I feel like the only reason, though, sure. that to think that he's going to produce along those lines, uh, you know, numbers wise, is just because the Jets are the Jets. And so anyone leaving the Jets, we automatically give like this bump, like <laughs> yeah. post Jets bump. I don't know if he deserves it or not. Well, he's got to prove it. The guy hasn't proven it. I feel like there's guys below him that are going to you know, be better, although I hope I'm wrong about that. Yeah, we'll
1: find out, Nat. You, you know, this is how I look at it. 100% in agreement that escaping Jets and specifically Adam Gase Jets. You know, yeah, we've okay. seen how many players like Devontae Parker, Le'Veon Bell, like have career years without Gase and then just get ruined by Adam Gase. Ryan Tannehill being the clearest example, especially at quarterback position. So I do have hope for Darnold going to a better line, a significantly better weapons cabinet, and significantly better, you know, play calling. What I like about the situation is if if it doesn't work out, then there's no real question marks as to who's at fault. Whereas Darnold, like at this point, you can say he has not gotten a fair shake. He was dealt the worst possible hand you could possibly get at the NFL level, and now he's he's coming into a, a solid, like straight, you know, good poker hand right here, and we'll find out what he actually does with it. I do think you know, there's t- plenty of bad habits in terms of being too jittery in the pocket. We talked to Ted Nguyen, uh, Ted Wynn of the Athletic, great interview, great film guy, who said it about 30% Donald pans out, 70% he doesn't because he saw so many bad fundamentals that he's not sure he'll ever fix. But he did mention so many positives, too, in terms of moving, you know, when he is on the run, Great great arm, still flash that, like w- what made him a top three pick, that cannon. So he's got the upside still there. I personally set it closer to like 45, 55, because I really do think everything around him is so good that if Darnold has anything of note, uh, he's going to be a solid player this year. So we'll find out. Uh, I-, I like him, though, Nat, especially as a last-round dart throw QB. And again, to get to those Trey Lances, to get to those Justin Fields, one of my favorite bridges, besides Teddy, uh, you know, Brian FitzMagic, I think Sam Darnold could be a really interesting flyer late in drafts. Well, and Ted did
0: say, I think I I'm probably get the quote wrong, but he said something like thirty percent chance he turns into a you know respectable good quarterback, but that's a realistic chance, you know, thirty percent, right? Is not a bad chance. And you're saying you think even more even.
1: I I do because the surroundings are so well, especially the main guy we're about to talk about here.
0: (laughs) All right, well, let's get right into that main guy, Uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey. You got him down for a gaudy stat line. Well, 316 carries, uh, 1,359 yards, 16 touchdowns on the ground. That's to go along with his 99 receptions on 114 targets. Let me just tell you – let me just stop you right there that if he gets to 99 receptions, they're going to throw him that 100th ball. The last game yeah. season, they're not going to let him sit on ninety nine. So that's I can tell you right now, that's unequivocally wrong. Ninety nine receptions on one hundred fourteen targets, which is an amazing catch rate uh, for another seven seventy two and four touchdowns. Honestly, if he's catching ninety nine balls, Wolf, I don't think there's any way he's only scoring four times on those. Um, so you like him for another two thousand yard combined season to go along with uh, twenty touchdowns.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good stat line. I mean, this is why he's by far, and it's not really even close, the biggest edge you can get in fantasy. You're going in an auction today, Nat. Like, it screwed me over going all in to get McCaffrey last year because he got hurt. Oh, right. Right. It's tough when you put that many eggs into one player's basket. But typically, history would suggest you're right in doing so. And if he hits these stats, whatever you pay for him won't be enough if he does what I think he's going to be doing. Because you think about the last time we saw this guy on the field. I was actually writing about it earlier today. It was insane. He outscored the next closest running back by six. I think it was 160 points, uh, which was Aaron Jones that season in 2019. He broke his own reception record with 116. He had like 2,300 total yards. The the first 1,000 rushing 1,000 receiving season since Marshall Falk. I think one of only three players to ever do it. The guy is a genuine freak. And what's so crazy about that. Is last year he was actually averaging more fantasy points per game and the few that we saw him than that historic season before. It was 29 points per game the historic season. He was actually averaging over 30 points per game last year. So I mean, it wasn't like this guy was gonna be a bust if he was on the field. He was killing it. They were using him as a, a true workhorse as they had been. So Joe Brady's already come out and said, no, we're not concerned with injury. We're not gonna like, you know, lessen his workload to try to preserve him. We're still gonna use McCaffrey the way he's used best. And I cannot wait to see what a full season of Joe Brady and this type of weapon look like. I would pay every dollar I have to, to go get him tonight, Nat, and it could scream. Well, right, hold on. Let's, but let's, I'm going let's for
0: it. unpack that. And this is going to make us go over a little bit, but it's okay because it looks Fine. like you're, you're not going to get swept away by a tornado. So we got a couple extra minutes. I'm to still alive here. Yes. Um, <laughs> when you say you would pay every dollar you had, I, I really want to know what you mean by that. We got $200 budget in my league. ESPN, I believe, has him at 75 bucks. You would go seventy five. Yeah, I would go. I'd go seventy five. Yes. What? What would you go? I mean, you know, it's hard. I mean, I'm wondering, like, where would you stop? I do think. I, I know it's impossible to answer 80. that question. There's other. There's other factors going on. I mean, you know, eighty
1: is forty percent of your money. Right, and I think he's worth it. I really do. Uh, you, uh, the only reason he wouldn't be is if you're not very confident on your ability to pluck out some of these value guys. I do think I, do think I can really pluck, pluck out value guys. Exactly. I, do. I really do. And I think you should be confident in that, especially at ride receiver. There's always those like last year when I did McCaffrey for 80, I got Calvin Ridley for like 19 bucks. You know, those types of guys, you, you pluck them out, you get the right ones. Robert Woods was 17. And you find a couple of those like pretty good guys. Your second running back's probably not going to be great. Uh, if you, you blow that much on McCaffrey, but even still, you, you might find yourself getting a nice value on like David Montgomery, who, who probably isn't that sexy, or Chris Carson, a little unsexy yeah, upside. I, I, I went you know? Derrick Henry,
0: Chris Carson last year, and that and worked out pretty cute. well. And then I got yeah. I got DK, and then
1: Allen Robinson for ten bucks. Yeah, it's just such a big edge, in my opinion, if you get a full, healthy season in McCaffrey. That, of course, is the risk. And, of course, if you put all that money into him and he gets hurt like last year, you're just about dead in the water. I still made like the playoffs by a – I lost first round. It just wasn't that great of a team after you've burnt that much on him. Yeah. Uh, but you're, I think you're a good enough drafter. I think most people, if you're listening to this show, not that word that good, we're making you good enough drafters to do it, but you're you're pretty deep into fantasy if you know us. So you probably have uh, the right people around him too. I, I I really like McCaffrey. I think think you got to go
0: for it. I'm going to text you as, uh, as the updates come in tonight. All right, Let's let's talk about this receiving core. This is interesting. Uh, This is kind of one of those, man, I'm not sure how this is going to fall out. We got DJ Moore, you got him down for 75 catches, 11, 25, and four touchdowns on 125 targets. Uh, he's there with Robbie Anderson, 86 catches for 11, 18, and five touchdowns, and that's on 131 targets. Then we got Terrence Marshall, an intriguing one. You've got him, I believe I read this right, 64 catches for almost 809 touchdowns. So yeah. as many touchdowns as the other two guys put together, that makes them a pretty bunched-up crew. You like them all over 100 targets, which is interesting. Uh, are you hedging because you don't think any of them are crazy superstars or do you really just see it getting spread around that much, uh, you know, even with McCaffrey in the mix?
1: Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to, Nat, is it's just going to be spread out so much. And that's why I think DJ Moore might be the single worst pick. Yeah, in I was going right uh, just, so, just so to ask you not yeah.
0: to, You have on your projection board, you have Anderson, 27, Moore, 34, Marshall, 36 on your big board. Moore, 25, Anderson, 29, Marshall, 50. I have to imagine he's probably going up a little. These are like kind of similar numbers for these three guys. Uh, That would make me reflexively think you should start at
1: the bottom and go up as opposed to the top down. A hundred percent. I own Marshall in almost every best ball draft I've done because you can get him round 13, round 14. Whereas the other guys, I, I find myself getting Robbie sometimes in round six. The issue I have is DJ Moore as a player. I love, I think he is fantastic. And as you were saying, like, you know, no one elite here. I think DJ Moore could be that guy. Sadly, they're not using him. in your Joe Brady's first year, Robbie Anderson and him tied for targets. And that was without McCaffrey there. That was without Terrace Marshall. Yeah, Curtis Samuel saw quite a bit of the target share, but ultimately, that's a concern that DJ Moore couldn't significantly outplay a Curtis Samuel to be that true alpha. So I I really don't, as much as I like the talent with DJ Moore, he hasn't taught, he's similar to Kittle, hasn't topped five touchdowns in his career. He, he could do so much so well. But if this coaching staff isn't there to maximize him, then is he as good as we all consider? Maybe not. So he's the one I'm fading everywhere if you have to pay, like, you know, a Late fourth, early fifth for him, which is where he goes. There is so many guys I much prefer to him. He goes before Brandon Ayuk, before T Ooh, Higgins, and I think I was just going to say gonna he's not good. going above T Higgins, is he? Oh yeah, he is, and I, and I think that's a enormous mistake. Uh, by owners. So I, I like getting into this pie. I do not want it to be DJ Moore at his price tag. Make it Christian McCaffrey if you can get him at the top. Get Robbie Anderson around 6'7 if he's there. Uh, but otherwise, just Terrace Marshall everywhere. As you said, uh, Joe Brady had him at LSU in that historic year. He was a touchdown maven there. He's 6'4, big body, first preseason game. He's moving into the slot. He's moving all over the place. And the slot really is what draws me to him because Darnold had targeted his slot. Right around 25% of the team, the target, the slot guy has always led Darnold uh, his target totem pole. So I don't know that I don't think, you know, Terrace Marshall will pace this team in, in the targets. But I do think in terms of touchdowns, clearly, as you said, I think he could double up or combine what the other two guys do, given that big body, given the way I think Joe Brady is going to use him in the red zone and given all the other weapons around him. I love Marshall. I, I will go and get Marshall in every single draft I possibly can. Make sure you pay the dollar or two that it takes to get him tonight, Nat, because he is—I think he's a stud. All right. Uh, so th- I found that this Panthers conversation really
0: interesting. Uh, we did just hit time because we digressed a little bit, but w- we'll talk tight end real quick. I don't think there's a lot to say. Dan Arnold, 27 catches, 248, three touchdowns. Is he the worst tight end or lowest fantasy tight end on any team.
1: <laughs> I, I
0: Actually, there might be one or two worse, but All no, right. he's pretty close to oh, the he's bottom. In the conver- he's in the conversation
1: though, right? Yeah. He, oh, certainly. And what's weird is last year, Ian Thomas ran like the top six in, in routes run for tight ends, but he finished like 60th in targets. He was essentially just a big body decoy out there. Dan Arnold does bring a little more athleticism. He's a converted wide receiver. So there is like a little bit of a scenario. Again, 20 round drafts or something as a backup tight end. Okay. I I prefer Donald Parham of uh, of the the LA Chargers, but still, you know, I I like Dan Arnold uh, as a very, very late stab. They're saying Donald to Arnold has been like a big camp connection. I just don't see how this guy sees any type of volume that's, that's sustainable and consistent when you have, The other four people and Christian McCaffrey, the three receivers we were just raving about, uh, where does he fit in to have any type of consistent value? I don't see it.
0: No, nor do I. Uh, All right. Now for another team that is just, you know, I don't really know what to make of this. (laughs) I went and looked in on the projections. They had all changed since the last time I looked Uh, at quarterback. Certainly, we just we just don't know what's going on. No. Uh, I've seen your projections have Hill with ninety percent of the snaps, and uh, now right now you got Jameis getting almost all of them. Um, So anyway, the numbers you have right now, you got Jameis three fifty three for five forty nine for. I, I love this number three thousand nine hundred ninety nine yards. You just you could not bring yourself to put Jameis <laughs> uh, twenty five uh, touchdowns, nineteen picks. That's a kind of Jameis stat line. Um, yeah. To, I don't really I don't want to comment too much because I feel like I'm probably not going to be these words aren't going to mean anything in like two days but exactly, if, if I think if you believe Winston is going to be the guy you might be a little low on his production I'm not super sure he's the guy um, but man there's just so many balls up in the air for the Saints right now I don't know. You know, Mike Thomas. We'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. I just, I don't know what to expect. What do you think? Can you, can you set my mind at ease, or are you just as confused as I am?
1: I'm, I'm significantly confused now, and thankfully we'll have Nick Underhill coming on. Oh, uh, it's Next week, yeah, he'll, he'll be back. One of a, a favorites of ours. One of the remember best. Underhill,
0: I believe, I believe took the hypothetical of letting Ray Lewis hit him across the middle, wearing an old time leather helmet. Yes,
1: he did <laughs> he's one of the tougher guys we've had on exactly. Let's set that up for Underhill. So if he really, uh, really means it, but when he sees Ray Lewis over the middle of the field, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, but he's been doing uh, every single day, breaking down it. And every single day I read his stuff over at, I think it's new Orleans, football.com. I forget the exact URL. I yeah. should have that. We'll obviously have it when he, we have our interview with him. He's amazing. Um, He's been writing that Jameis has started to sneakily pull away in the preseason game. It was a mixed bag for both quarterbacks. he threw a brutal interception. in second drive, uh, Jameis got kind of killed by a fumble. It, it, it's ugly. It's really ugly. And I agree with you. Like in a Sean Payton offense, I want to be higher on Jameis Winston. If he takes over, uh, if Taysom Hill takes over, I, ultimately I'd be higher on him too, because he brings that Konami upside. But I see it as a situation. Jameis wins the job. And again, that's what Underhill's currently projecting. But he did say it's still a competition. They're still evaluating it uh, by the preseason games and every day in practice. But uh, let's say he wins it. Okay, so who does he have to throw to? Michael Thomas is going to be getting up. You know, exactly. That's why it's a little bit lower. I I worry that Winston wins it. But then he has such garbage. You know, Marquez Callaway being his number one for the first month of the season how can he succeed? He's going to throw some interceptions. You know, they're going to get fed up with him. And so I try to be a little conservative. I, all things said, you know, a gunslinger like Winston and a Sean Payton offense does have top 10 upside. I mean, this guy, last time he was out there for a full season, led the NFL in passing yards. but then couldn't get end. a job the next year, I think. He couldn't get a starting job the next year because he also threw 30 interceptions with that. So there, I, I just, I don't know. It is As you said, it's so hard to project. I just have worried that Winston's gonna win it, but that's ultimately not even that sexy for fantasy because he's got nothing to throw to, even within this awesome offense that should yield great results. I just don't think it will. You're you're
0: I mean, we'll talk about Kamara in a second. Other than Kamara, are you staying away from this team?
1: Pretty much. And maybe I maybe including Kamara. I don't know. I I actually don't love Kamara, even though my projections he's coming out crazy big in my numbers. So I, I'm starting to reconsider him a little bit more. Certainly in PPR leagues, you got to really consider him. Um, I do love Marquez Calloway. We're going to talk about when we get to wide receivers, okay. just because he goes so late and he's thriving in camp and just kind of one of those things. Sean Payton's new number one. He always just churns out these thousand yard receivers that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, even if Thomas isn't there, you know, more of those Marquise Colston, Lance Moore, like it's such a good prolific offense. And James Winston does have the arm that if Callaway is steadily the number one throughout the year, he could be a steal in round 13, 14, where he's going right now. All right, well, let's talk about some of these guys.
0: Let's go to Kamara. You alluded to the fact that your projections are giving him pretty decent numbers. Well, better than decent. 204 carries for an even 1,000, 10 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, You've got him getting 88 catches on 116 targets, uh, 748 yards, and another four touchdowns. (laughs) Much like McCaffrey, I kind of made this uh, similar case i think if he catches 88 balls he's going to score more than four times on those and if you're playing in a ppr league i mean 88 catches that is that's
1: not nothing for a running back no i mean that's a hefty total and as well with rich you know that's that's kind of been his his mo maybe the best pass catching back outside of McCaffrey in the league right now certainly the most efficient he's been First, first, 19th and first in fantasy points per touch the last couple of years. That 2019 seems to kind of be the outlier where he was a little bit behind. Otherwise, he's been just pure dynamite every time he's touched the ball. And last year when Michael Thomas was out. So this is where I'm, I'm so stuck and torn on Alvin Kamara because he could be, he was last year, a genuine league winner, especially when Michael Thomas was out. He became the de facto number one receiver. He averaged over 30 fantasy points per game. He was just a monster. And we already know Thomas is going to be out for, it sounding like at least the first month of the season. You got to imagine they might hold him out, put him on the PUP and really wait about six to eight weeks. Uh, Kamara could be an absolute monster, but then you look at the flip side well, he also had Drew Brees, who targets running backs religiously. Even before Kamara, he's always been one of those check down pinpoint guys. And that certainly wasn't Taysom Hill. You know, Kamara only saw four targets a game with Hill back there. He went from averaging like 25 fantasy points per game to 12, You know, bottom 24 running back with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So that, that's why I'm a little bit in the middle with this guy. I certainly want to see Jameis win it. For Kamara's value, uh, that would certainly put him up, probably to number three or four of my rankings, if and when that got locked in. But for right now, while we're in this waiting game, like, and even if Hill played, like, I don't want to be like, oh, you know, it's automatically going to be only four targets a game. I doubt that. I think they're, they're, you know, without Michael Thomas, especially they'll be scheming towards Kamara. I do just get a little bit nervous about this offense just kind of being shitty. He does have a great offensive line, though, top three in my opinion in the league, returning all five starters, great run blockers. So there's a lot going for him outside of the quarterback position, which is clearly the most important position for everyone around him. Kamara is definitely good enough to be able to supersede that, though.
0: All right, let's talk receivers. Marquez Callaway, Mike Thomas, Traquan Smith. And we've already mentioned that Mike Thomas is out for a while. Uh, we, we remember two years ago, he was probably the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, killed a lot of people last year. Yeah, I mean, really just destroyed a lot of people's seasons would be my guess. We had we had a guy in our draft pay $50, $55 for him or something. Oh, it, was just like, it was just absolutely brutal. Anyway, you got Callaway, 57 catches, 718, 6 touchdowns on 87 targets. Traquan Smith, 42, 580, and 3 touchdowns on 69 targets. Thomas, it, it, I get that these are just impossible predictions to make for him. You got him for 53, 636, and 4 touchdowns. Get these guys with pretty similar stats. At least comparable stats. You got uh projection wise, Callaway 57, Thomas 71. We'll throw that one out, and Traquan Smith 85 on the big board. You like Callaway at 46, Thomas 60, Traqu- Traquan Smith at 68.
1: Yeah, I to me Thomas just like it's such a hard situation. I I get both sides of it, you know, the 10th rounder that if he missed, you know, the, the timetable became shortened and you get him after a couple weeks. Then you're getting yourself an alpha wide receiver one in round 10 and you're all things are glorious. But the way it's just unfolding where he's shitting on the team on Instagram, the team's calling him out. and It's just like, yeah, they've had these meetings recently to try to smooth things over. And that makes me feel, I guess, a little better. But I still worry like he might not play all year. It could become one of those. Awful situations where he refuses to show up again. Like I don't know. I, I've decided style. to avoid him. Yeah, exactly. Like I've I've just kind of decided I don't trust Thomas at this point. I don't want. you to, I get why people would take the risk. I'm not going to do it. you I projected him here for about half the season. What I think he would do. So clearly, you know, in eight games, if he gives you that, that's going to be useful stats. I just, it, to me, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not taking that. I'm blunt. not doing it either. I'd rather go for Callaway, who I think is really going to have a great first half of the season. And potentially, if Thomas does get traded or sits out or is just, you know, hurt all year, Callaway could be that de facto number one. And we haven't, you know, every single year there's a, a Sean Payton, as I was saying, Lance Moore, Marquise Colston. Doesn't really matter who it is. This offense is just so dynamite through the air that if it is Winston throwing the rock, I, I could see Callaway having himself a season. So I really, he's become like my my favorite round 12 or beyond receiver. Like the guy I have to get it's him and it's Terrace Marshall, the, the same division we're talking about today, two of the best prime late round receivers you can go for. Uh, I think he's going to be the target hog until we get them back. Especially I think I'm being a little too generous with the tight ends as we're going to get there. I think some of those touchdowns, I'm going to start projecting the receivers.
0: All right, fair enough. Let's talk tight end a little bit. Adam Troutman. Can I get an Adam Troutman reference? Uh <laughs> 48 catches, 624, six touchdowns. Uh, and then Nick Vanette, who is even lower. Uh, you got Troutman as your 17th tight end, projection wise, 24th on the big board. Nothing to get too excited about there
1: no and I honestly I think there's even more reason to be less excited than what I have him Uh here that's because they're saying Juwan, that's, that's
0: a great phrase by the way even more reason to be less excited
1: <laughs> right as if you needed more reason uh, <laughs> one, one is this guy Juwan James I don't know anything about him but Underhill keeps writing that he looks like the pass catching guy at tight end he protects him for the Jared Cook style role about being moved all over the, the formation and, and going deep so one we might have a new sleeper I'm going to update these projections when we finish to to reflect that, that there might be a new pass-catching guy in town. Troutman is a great athlete. He should be the guy, but we saw what we, you know, in the preseason already, we kind of saw what made him uh, not a bust because no one was really targeting him in fantasy last year, but what held him back from ever truly breaking out, he was pass-blocking. Three of his nine snaps out there, he pass-blocked. He only ran like five routes uh, on the dropbacks. I, I hate that. I, I don't know why because, he, again, like I said, athletic guy should have all the upside in the world and a, a saint scheme that has been friendly to tight ends in the past. Jared Cook was top two in touchdowns the last two or three years uh, combined, only behind Kelsey. It's just – it's it's ugly. I, I don't know. It, it should be a lot sexier than it is, and I know a lot of people are in on it. I, my gut has just decided to say I, the pass blocking was all I needed to see. I want nothing to do with Troutman this year. I'm off. All right. That's fair, and I agree. All right, last but not least, certainly not
0: least, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Buccaneers. Uh, anything to yeah. say before I get into
1: the players? Uh, as it's pulling up here, I can guarantee you I forget the exact ratios I have them at. It's going to be the most pass attempts in the league. If not, maybe the Rams will threaten them. Now They've lost Cam Akers. So, yeah, 650 pass attempts compared to 391 rush attempts. It's a 62% pass ratio. That's right in line with what they had last year. So I think it's all going to come down to the arm of the goat himself. Tom Brady again. That's the Arians. No risk it. No biscuit style. We did see that start to gel. I I'm very intrigued to see what these Bucks do because it seemed like half the year they never were really synced up or on the same page. And then after the buy, you know, Bruce Arians. I heard an interview with him. They talked about him and Brady having this phone call. What concepts do you like that we can work in? Because it's not working fully right now. You know, how can we practice these things better? And and they had a really open dialogue. And you saw the results over the second half of the year. Brady was a QB forward fantasy, just ripping it down the seams, and obviously it carried him all the way to the title. By the end of it all. So now that they've gelled, like. A full season of this offense, as long as Brady still has it at age 44, could be just firework central. I cannot wait to see what it is. I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say as
0: long as he still has it at age 44. But, I mean, he still kind of had it at age 43. He so. still did. He
1: <laughs> still had it. He, he had more yards per attempt last year than he's had in like 10 years since New England. And that deep ball was looking good. Like, Well, he I was throwing some
0: real it. receivers last year. I mean, a, right. lot of, a lot of it in football is, you know, obviously you still got to have it. But, you know, system and uh, complementary players. And he fell into a real good one. Well, it didn't fall into it. He, he went there on purpose. Exactly. Um, all right, let's talk about it. So Brady, uh, you got him 434 for 637. That is a lot of passing for al- almost 5,300 yards, 44 touchdowns, 13 picks. Uh, you know, it's to me, it's tough to argue with the numbers you've got for him, given the wide receiver Corey's got. Uh, yeah. I assume that you're not even a little higher on the list um, as far. I mean, you've got him as your QB seven uh, as far as projections and nine on the big board. I mean, that's an amazing stat line there that we just gave. I guess the reason you're not higher is you're not getting any running out of him.
1: That's it. Like he has to hit 44 touchdowns and, and 53 yards for him to get to QB seven. And that's his only QB seven with those type of gaudy stats, like goes to tell you again, like there's just the ceiling is capped on any QBs that don't bring the leg points. And there are enough that you have to at least go for one of these running guys. If you pair him with a Brady, go for it, sure. Uh, but yeah, like that goes to show. I think he could hit these stats and still only finish as the QB seven in fantasy because of right. the cap feeling. Yes.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's talk running backs. This Ugh. is interesting do you and, of, and well, <laughs> yeah, we do have to. It's interesting and disgusting. So in terms, here's what you've got. You got Fournette, one seventy six for seven hundred four and six touchdowns, thirty one catches. You got Rojo, CJ's boy, 125 carries for 625 and five touchdowns with no real passing game work. And you've got Gio Bernard, the, I wanna say the corpse of Gio Bernard, but it seems like you've actually got him uh, being a real factor here. 70 carries, 287 and a touchdown, and adding 66 catches for 561 yards and four touchdowns. As far as projection goes, this shakes out. You got Fournette at 44, Rojo at 54, Gio at 36. I mean, that's pretty bad. You you got a a committee there, of three guys, and none of them really doing anything. I mean, you got Gio at 36. It's nothing. On your big board, you got Fournette, 43, uh, Rojo, 41, and Bernard, 46. It's clear you're not too excited about this running situation.
1: No, not at all. But I think what was interesting there is you said Bernard pops up as the the highest value back here. He's often going as the last back. Similar to that uh, Carolina receiving court. Exactly. And that I've actually ended up with Bernard on quite a few teams because of how high I have him projected as a pass catcher. I think he we've heard these comparisons a lot. The next James White for Tom Brady. They didn't really have that check down option last year. Rojo was very undependable with his hands. Fournette was like okay catching the ball, but was so slow and sluggish and not a great route runner. Bernard was like one of the few missing pieces. Uh, it's hard to say a, a Super Bowl team has a missing piece, but Brady has always loved having that compliment out in the backfield. And they have said, you know, our early in camp in OTAs, Bernard was all over the field, catching everything in sight, a high target. For Tom Brady, I think that's going to be the case this year. I think he's really going to see, as I said here, 84 targets, 66 catches, a very high receiving workload to move the chains on third down. When you have these crazy outside weapons that can stretch the field, and when they've been going so deep, defenses are so far back on their heels, Bernard's just going to get these little six-yard catches all over the place for free. Nobody's going to be able to stay with this guy because they're going to have all the safeties deep, and he can still beat linebackers in his routes. I love Gio Bernard as a late round stab. Uh, As I said, the highest scoring Bucks running back at the cheapest price tag. I think between Fournette and Jones nibbling each other's cheese all year. You never know if one of them fumbles and is in the doghouse for a couple of weeks. I just, they're both, I love Jones as a player. I think he's a great runner. I wish he would get a full workload. I can't wait to see him escape Bruce Arians and finally get that. Uh, But until then, give me Gio Bernard and don't give me anybody else from this backfield.
0: All right. The wide receiver situation. Fantastic. That's not new news. Uh, You have them all getting comparable amounts of targets for a while. You had them around the same, but I I think you've branched out a little bit. I don't actually have the targets in front of me, but I got everything else. You got Evans at 81 catches for 1174, 12 touchdowns. um, And that puts him as your wide receiver, 12 projection wise. Antonio Brown, 71 catches, 845, six touchdowns. Get him as your wide receiver, 43 project, projection wise. And then uh, Chris Godwin, 88, 126, or 11, 26, 10 touchdowns. That puts him as your wide receiver, 16. On the big board, you got Evans, 13, Godwin, 17, Brown, 40. I'm just going to say it. I think you're low on Brown.
1: I might be. I mean, and, and all the training camp reports are Brown is killing it. Like they might have the strongest rapport of all the receivers with Brady. And that's scary. I mean, what he did, I think when he came in last year, and then from then to the end of the season, he ended up finishing as like the wide receiver, nineteen or twenty over that span. And that's without time to practice and get the full, you know, obviously practicing, but not getting the playbook fully down. And you have a full offseason to process it. it. it is a tricky situation in that sense. And if anybody's gonna get hurt here, I don't think it's Evans. I think it would end up being Godwin. Uh, because Evans, you know, he saw 15 goal line targets last year. I think he'll always be that that kind of red zone beast. He's always gonna be a good threat for 12 to 15 touchdowns a season his yards might take a ding he's had a thousand yards in all five of his professional seasons maybe this is a year he finishes under but to me he's he just does what he does so well and he's done it so well for every year of his career like I, I trust that he'll still be that guy I know Godwin's also great at the slot and that's what Brady's historically loved but so is Antonio Brown and that's that's where it gets tricky is how does that end up getting shaken out you know is antonio brown still the ab of old no but he showed plenty of juice last year we haven't really seen there's a lot of games where like one of these receivers was missing last year so it is tricky to judge how will it all be distributed now if all three of them stay healthy it is it is a kind of a clusterfuck uh but ultimately i I find myself landing evans a lot late round three I don't really land Godwin much at all because, like I said, I think he's the one that's the riskiest of this. And he, him, and Evans go in the same spot. I have ended up with a lot of Antonio Brown round seven, eight, uh, because, like you said, he has the upside to be the best receiver here. I don't think he is clearly with these projections, uh, but but that upside exists. So for round eight, like that's certainly like a lot of these guys because of the price. Bernard's the best target of the backs, even if I have him ranked lower. Marshall Marshall's the best of those Panthers receivers because of the price. I think Antonio Brown sneakily is the best receiver of the bucks in terms of fantasy price and what could happen. Yeah. I actually
0: think I agree with that. I mean, you said he's not the Antonio Brown of old. He doesn't have to be, I mean, remember Antonio Brown of old was like all time stuff, If oh, he's of course. 85, 80% of that. He's still just absolutely great. Yeah. And so uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, to me, wide receiver, 40, I like him more than that, but hopefully other people value him around there, too, and maybe I can get him on the cheap. Um, Let's get into tight ends. These are guys I don't really think you want to play. Uh, Gronk, 43 catches, 559, five touchdowns. That puts him 20th on your projections, 19 on the big board. O.J. Howard, been around forever. Seems like 32 catches, 448, four touchdowns. Good for 27 and 30 on your boards, respectively. Uh,
1: A lot of cheese nibbling. A lot of cheese nibbling that. It's just I mean, a lot of tight end situations these days have a lot of cheese nibbling on each other, and, and that's what I see here. You know, Gronk did okay last year, but that was no age of O.J. Howard. He got hurt, what, in the first or second week. Uh, so I, you know Gronk will still have his big touchdown days. You'll see plenty of Gronk spikes, but I do think this is like running through the three receivers and then also the fact that Gio Bernard's now there. That might have been a lot of those third-down targets that Brady would have gone to Gronk, someone he trusts, I can see a lot of that now shifting over to Gio Bernard. So not only are the two tight ends nibbling at each other, but the fact that Bernard's come there is just an even bigger rat chewing at the cheese. And so I don't like that at all. I'm not going on these tight ends. No way. Gio Bernard providing
0: even more reason to be less excited about the tight end situation. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for the NFC, whatever we just did. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the NFC. Well, Wolfpack, always a blast, especially all you guys showing up every single time, whether you're here with the replay or here live with us. If you don't mind giving that the thumbs up, it helps us get to more people, and that's the goal is growing the pack. You can find all our content at rotostreetjournal.com. If you have the iOS, we do have an app that we're hoping to update and make even better, but it's still a nice, clean way to get all our content. You can find all of our other stuff at uh, the Fancy Fullback Dive, if you prefer podcasts where we gave you path to 2020 titles, 2021 titles, rather. So, used to say 2020 after last year. I know, right? Uh, but 2021 titles, baby, is what we're going for. Um, and ultimately, you can find me at Rotor Street Wolf on Twitter if you want to interact there. Always open to the DMs, all that good stuff. Uh, so, guys, I'm the wolf. I'm the truth. In a world full of fancy sheep, guys, be that wolf. We used Later. We it all, but now's our code call. So hold for the applause, oh oh, oh oh And wave out to the crowd, and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. 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 Straight
0: ahead, second after.